fear, anxiety, trepidation, terror. These are all feelings that are understandable when we're inside of them, but are unrecognizable from the other side. The unknown can elicit these feelings within us, shrouded in mystery and suspicion like it so often is. Deeper terrors can stem from the known, standing imposing on just the other side of a chasm of doubt. In the quiet moments, you can hear it begging for you to step forward, calling for you to plummet beyond your own sense of control. I'm calling from Elm Lake. I'd be lying if I said I was looking forward to today. We've reached the Moon Festival for this year, and I remember distinctly what happened to me last year. I can't shake the memory of how this simple gathering with all of the frivolity and joy spun me into my darkest reality. The worst part is that I have no one I can talk to about it because no one remembers. I made sure of that, and I regret making that choice every day. I keep telling myself that it's better for Anthony and Jenny to be free of what we experienced, but I have been left stranded on an island by my own choices. No one else remembers the last year or the bunker. Nobody finds it strange that the bunker has gone missing, a flat expense of earth where there was once a hill and an imposing metal structure. No one else is aware of control or the games that they have played and most likely continue to play with their lives. I shouldn't say I'm alone though, because I'm not, at least not completely. The glass eye saw to that. I haven't named her yet because she doesn't seem to have a name that rings true. But she does give me someone to talk to, someone I can unburden myself with. She listens and she doesn't judge. I don't see questions on her face when I speak of the past year or being trapped in the box the way that I know both Anthony and Jenny would. She doesn't ask why I give Marcus Grant a wide berth any time I see him walking down the street. It's nice to have her around, actually. <laughs> Look at me, talking about her as though she's real. She isn't, of course. Not in a living, breathing sense. She's just a doll. A doll that was apparently meant for me, because she was just sitting on a shelf in the glass eye. A card with my name emblazoned upon it, sitting next to her. I think of her as real, because she's the only thing I've been able to talk with about the past year. And I have the strange feeling that she somehow has knowledge of the time before the reset. It isn't just stories, but truths, and an experienced reality. And knowing that she has those memories makes me feel less alone. She shares the same worries about the Moon Festival that I do, but that could just be me projecting my feelings onto an inanimate object. 
It's just that when I talk to her, I almost feel her eyes respond with concern and care, which I honestly don't know if I can get elsewhere right now. Maybe I should go to the festival. Maybe I should break her. It might help me figure out if she has a name or if she's just a good listener. No one is ever too old to bring a doll around, right? Such an exciting time. The Moon Festival is upon us, and the whole town is coming together to celebrate. I still haven't been able to track down Jorge to see what his grand plan is, but he is so excited he's practically salivating. Jonas, too, who has promised the biggest performance the Elm Lake Improvisational Quartet has ever given. I don't know why we don't have this big of a celebration every year. I mean... Last year, there were a few yard games, and someone was grilling hamburgers and hot dogs, but there was nothing of any real consequence. This year feels like an actual festival, with a bounce house inflated to look like a crescent moon, caricature artists drawing their fellow citizens with faces like the full moon, and the absolutely delectable new moon pies from the Owl's Nest Diner. Sure, you may think it's just a standard pie with a dark frosting, but it's so much more than that. It's an experience. Oh, there's Amelia. Hi, Amelia. Huh, odd. She didn't really acknowledge me. Instead, she's talking to the new doll that she got from the glass eye. I hadn't seen the doll before today, but I can see why Amelia was drawn to it. It looks kind of like her, although there's a darker tone to the eyes. Dresses differently too, but Amelia's always had her own style, and it would be hard for a doll shop to truly replicate that without getting to know her pretty well. And she isn't the only one who brought her doll out to the festival. Angus did too, although his doll is all sharp and angular with hard edges. Just feels right somehow, and it makes me want to visit the glass eye even more. Here we go, listeners. Jonas is taking the stage, and he's saying something. I'm going to move a little closer so that I can hear him better. It's just... Uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, yes. Here. This will work. All right. He's waving his arms around frantically, indicating the space around him. He's now saying that the Elm Lake Improvisational Quartet is about to embark on a new path, one never before forged in our community. The crowd awaits with hushed anticipation. Jonas gives a flourishing bow and steps aside as the curtain behind him rises. 
The lights on the stage remain dark at first, and the most beautiful chorus of voices can be heard. I can hear at least eight distinct tones, and as the lights slowly come up, the singers begin to take shape. But this isn't what I've come to expect from the quartet. There is no Lorraine, and Jonas himself isn't taking the stage. Instead, all that fills the stage is a group of dolls. Mouths open, eyes craning toward the sky. They don't move, because of course they don't. They're dolls. Dolls don't move. This must be some clever recording trick that Jonas is using to make them appear to be singing. There are notes and lyrics and all of the trappings of a choral performance, but it's just the dolls on the stage. Moments pass, the citizens of Elm Lake transfixed, the spell unbroken until the lights again fade and the curtain descends. Jonas takes the stage again, beaming from ear to ear, and he takes a bow before pointing us to Jorge Sanchez in the middle of the field. was, in a word, unsettling. The singing, coming apparently from the mouths of inanimate dolls while the citizens of Elm Lake were caught in some sort of spell. I don't know why I wasn't, and that's one of the reasons it was so unsettling. I tried to catch Amelia's eye, but she wasn't looking at the stage. She was looking at her own doll. And I swear, I saw a small grin creep across its painted face. Anthony was just as dumbstruck as anyone, although I'm sure that he'll relay the story in a way that makes him seem as though he was unaffected. He does like to keep himself detached from the story, not wanting to acknowledge that he is actively influencing it with his presence. And then... The town turned its attention to Jorge Sanchez. Jorge spoke in sweeping terms about the duplicity of life and the nature of mirrors. He was breathless in his descriptions of others, able to infiltrate aspects of our lives with our blessing, whether conscious or not. He practically exploded with excitement when he reached the word doppelganger, and a feverish sweat was on his brow. He then drew our attention to the moon, hanging low and full in the sky. The moon stared down, unfeeling, uncaring. It's just a moon, a lump of rock orbiting our planet and reflecting light so that we can have something to keep the darkness at bay through the night. I looked back to Jorge as he pulled a blanket off of some sort of device, he flipped a switch and then stared expectantly up. The citizens of the town followed his gaze, also full of expectation and hope. The dolls did not follow suit. I need to get to the glass eye. Did you see that? Oh, of course not. You aren't here. 
Or if you are, you aren't listening to this at the same time that it happened. That would be impossible. I'm not even recording it completely in real time, although I'm doing so as close to real time as possible. I'm sorry, listeners. I'm just excited. That was one of the most magical things I've ever seen. Jorge duplicated the moon. <laughs> I don't know how, and I'm sure it's just an illusion, but for now at least, there are two moons hanging above Elm Lake. The town seems brighter, but how could it not? After all, two moons, both full, both reflecting their silvery light upon us? It's a true work of art. I dare say that Jorge's act of duplicating the moon may actually be more impressive than the performance by the Elm Lake Improvisational Quartet. And that was very impressive. I mean, sure, we didn't get to see the usual performers that we've come to expect, none of the six of them, but it was still really good. And then Jorge does that. Please don't tell Jonas, he's got a fragile ego. And I don't want him to think that what he did wasn't impressive. It's just, wow, the moon doubled. I'm going to have to ask Jorge how he did that, even if I'm sure he'll tell me that a mathematician never reveals his secrets. I know I should go talk with Amelia about this. She may have some insights. She's so clever and sees more than most do. I just need to wade through the crowd to get to her. Maybe we'll be able to talk over tea. He did it. And she told me that he would. Except, of course she didn't. She's just a doll. She can't communicate. I must have had a conversation with George about this, but I just don't remember, or I have somehow unlocked some sort of second sight thanks to my experience within control. I just know that I need to talk with someone about this because it feels like the entire build-up to the Moon Festival had had us all waiting for a moment just like this. And I, I can't help but shake the nagging feeling that we aren't the only ones because it feels like the dolls were waiting. I need to return to the glass eye to find answers and to learn new questions. Calling from Elm Lake, episode 33, Eyes of the Moon, was written and produced by Sean Monahan. The voice of Elm Lake is Sean Monahan. The voice of Jenny Fowler is Emma Sala. The voice of Amelia Ashford is Maddie Stewart. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. 
all other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinismusic.com. Thank you for listening to our ongoing tale. If you've enjoyed our story so far, please leave a rating and review. Word of mouth will help us continue to grow and unfold new tales in our universe. You can find us on social media if you're looking to connect with the creators of Elm Lake. You can also join us at www.patreon.com slash callingfromelmlake to help support us as independent artists carving out our own space in this creative world. The moon holds more power than we feel comfortable giving it, while also holding less power than we subconsciously grant it. It is only through discovering that imbalance that we can discover our own power, which is immeasurable.